Quan, cut the music. We are back. Episode 19. If you clicked on this one, as the title says, this is the MLB trade deadline special. So this is the follow-up actually to that one. Uh, we know what happened now. So no more predictions at this point. It's just evaluations. Usual crew, Hallinan, who knows. Uh, and we have a call-in guest. Uh, Seattle will be joining us for this podcast. So welcome to the show, Seattle. Always have you around. Thank you. Yeah, and no, uh, let's get into it. All right, so let's go ahead. Let's get started here. Dodgers, right off the top. Uh, two deals here, primary ones we're focusing on. Uh, Danny Duffy for a player to be named later in cash. And then the big one, Scherzer and Trey Turner to the Dodgers for Cabert Ruiz, Josiah Gray, Carrillo, and then Casey. So how do we feel Dodgers did with that one? How do we f- think the Padres are feeling? Let's uh, go ahead and get into that. Yeah, no, I, I think this was a, a great trade for both sides. Like, clearly the Dodgers needed some better uh, um, pieces for their rotation since they've been dealing with injury troubles all year, and then one of their starters is probably never going to play baseball ever again. So they really needed Max Scherzer in the rotation, and Trey Turner definitely gives them some depth up the, mid, up the middle infield. Um, that's good for them because they can move Chris Taylor all, all different types of places. And then Gavin Lux has been hurt. So he won't be playing really the rest of the season. So they really needed that depth. Um, and the prospects they really gave up, I don't think they really gave up anybody that would be really hurting them long-term. Josiah Ray is a capable starter, but I think Max will, should probably fill that gap long-term for them at least. And then they didn't need Ruiz because they already have Will Smith. Um, so I think, I mean, obviously this is clearly a move that the, that helps the Dodgers now and uh, um, like just for the rest of the season. And it would just keep them being where they need to be for the next few years. Is Scherzer definitely coming back to L.A.? Like, is that confirmed? I kind of had the feeling that he might leave after the season. Well, does, is his contract completely up or does he have yeah. a uh, – is, is it an option? So he's uh, he's done after this season. Um, his money gets deferred uh, post this season, but he is an unrestricted free agent um, entering his age 37 season. So this is a uh, – I got to see – I'm going to check out Turner's contract here. Um, but Scherzer at this point, he can decide wherever he wants to go come the offseason. Uh, Turner still has one more arbitration before hitting unrestricted free agency in 2023. So they have Turner for at least a couple more years. So I think my main opinion on this trade, I think obviously for one season, this is the perfect trade for the Dodgers. This is exactly, it fills all the needs that they have, but long-term it could hurt them with Scherzer uh, maybe electing not to resign in LA. I know he has, he's a big fan of Washington. He's made that very clear in the media. So if he ends up returning to Washington, I think that's best case scenario for Washington. They give up their guys, kind of like the Chapman trade that New York did a few years ago with um, Chicago. Um, but I, I could see it going well for the Dodgers. I think this kind of puts them into contention for the number one spot for the World Series. I also think it was a good move for the Dodgers and the Nationals too. They got a pretty decent return. I think it's funny how we – talked about how it would be crazy if they packaged Scherzer and Turner together and they actually ended up doing it. I mean, that's an absolute haul. 
getting two top-notch players in the MLB, not even just from the Nationals. It's all MLB. You know, Turner's all around. He steals bases, great in the field, obviously a great hitter. And Scherzer has been good this year. He struggled towards the beginning, but he's been pretty solid. So definitely filling that uh, role for the prison boy. And, you know, Turner will be (laughs) up the middle also with uh, Seager. So, yeah, I think they immediately pushed back into contention after a few question marks arose. But um, I would hate to see the Dodgers go back to back. And so real quick with the Dodgers contract situations, with the acquisition of Turner, I'm curious about what's going to end up happening with Corey Seager. So this offseason, the following Dodgers are free agents. I'm only going to say the ones that matter. Scherzer, Kershaw, Jansen, Danny Duffy, Corey Seager, and Chris Taylor are all free agents after this season with a few guys going into arbitration. So do we think that they try to keep Seager around then long-term or is it just kind of a wait and see here for them? I think it's a wait and see. You got Turner and then you'll have Lux coming back also next year. That's a solid up the middle that you don't necessarily have to overpay to get Seager back. And it sounds like they're going to have to spend a lot of money on the rotation and the bullpen potentially as well. I think they could let go of at least one of Taylor Seager and be fine. Um, you can pl- you can plug and play Taylor pretty much anywhere. I think he's better in the outfield personally, but it's nice having that kind of gadget guy, and I think they'll value that more than Seager, who's majority just a shortstop. I definitely agree. I think Taylor is the most value out of those two. Um, so I think we can leave it at that. Any thoughts before we move on, Chris? Yeah, I would just say that um, I feel like also a big reason that Cor- uh, that would, they would want to move on from Corey is that he's very rarely been healthy for them for a lot of the time. Um, he's missed a lot of he's missed a lot of individual seasons because of injury, or like most of individual seasons because of of of, of injury. So I think the Dodgers are an organization that definitely value health. Um, so uh, I, I feel like that'd be another reason why they would move on. Yep. So in Corey's career, he's had three seasons in which he's been in the league for seven years. He's had three seasons in which he's played in more than a hundred games. So that is not ideal. Guy's a hell of a player, but definitely cannot stay healthy. Uh, I'm just going to chime in here real quick on the deal. I really like it from both perspectives. I thought you would have seen a similar type of deal come out of San Diego is why I said last pod with San Diego sending some of those big four guys, but Hey, I'll take I'll take this one too. Uh, really like the return for Washington. Dodgers can afford to give up that. Same with we'll talk about Toronto a little bit later. Uh, but overall, big fan and the amount of star power now that that has is just ridiculous to me. The amount of good players that they have. Uh, the second deal, I'm gonna give my thoughts on it real quick before I hand it over to you guys. The Danny Danny Duffy deal for a player to be named later and cash. I really like this one because Danny offers either rotation help for the back end of that Dodgers rotation that has struggled recently or potentially a long bullpen arm. I believe that the player to be named later will, that list is going to determine itself based on how much Danny actually plays this year. Like I hate to do this to you, Kylie, but like the, the first round pick for Carson Wentz, 
being based on how much he ends up playing this year. Newsflash, not much. But with that, it'll be the more he plays, the better the prospect gets. So I'll be interested to see what that one is. So Danny Duffy is the next one we'll hop into here for a little bit before moving on to uh, the Cubbies. I don't have much to say for that. Um, if you guys have anything to say, I think Aiden kind of wrapped that up pretty well. Yeah, I'll just add is um, I think the Dodgers definitely wanted to have another uh, left-hander in their bullpen. Um, they've, they've really struggled with finding a consistent left-hand presence in their bullpen for a few years now. Um, all of their top-tier relievers are, are right-handed. Um, and so I feel like this will definitely give them somebody in the pen in the postseason to be able to just put in for multiple innings against left-handed batters which they'll need for sure all right uh next up the cubs uh <laughs> everyone is gone um let's let's focus here more so though we'll talk about the uh the outgoing players later on uh let's focus here more so on the return how do we feel the cubs did overall at this deadline return wise kylie i feel like uh this one should start with you uh i believe the morning process is closer to acceptance at this point than anger uh so how are we feeling definitely devastating to see everyone go you know those guys at least the the three big three that we'll talk about later really you know embodied the cubs and they'll be fan favorites forever definitely tough to see them go and Every, like, away stadium, you know, Cubs really show out and you see all the blue in the stadium and it's because of those guys. Definitely going to be happy to see the bandwagon Cubs fans hop off, but I'm still going strong. In terms of the return, I'm happy with – I'm pretty happy with it. I think we got pretty good return out of every trade except I think we could have gotten more out of San Francisco. I'm really excited about Crow Armstrong from the Mets. He's our sixth-rated prospect now. Uh, he's still a little ways out, but he was a first-round pick last year. Solid in the field, solid hitter. He'll be probably our mainstay center fielder in a few years. Got a few good arms that we kind of lacked in our farm system. So that was what kind of broke this all up. We've We've had the hitting, but the pitching just hasn't been there. So it'll be nice to have some arms coming back and I really like the getting magical. I think we definitely needed to make a move where we got a player that can contribute now and not just a bunch of prospects that we're just hoping turn out. So overall, I'm happy with the haul we got back. Uh, definitely value the players that we gave up more than what we got back, but you know, with all expiring contracts, you can't expect to get too much back. And we're paying for at least the, those three uh, for the rest of their deals, which I think probably gave us a little more value back than we would have. So overall, pretty happy. We'll see how they turn out. You never know with prospects. Yeah, obviously hopeful. But, you know, in a big market team, they won't be afraid to spend money when when those guys start to come up and if they, you know, don't really pan out, we'll, we'll just buy some people. So overall, I would just say hopeful. I can agree with that. So based on this list, I'm looking at a bleacher report. Uh, you said Pete Crow 
Strong was number five now, right, in your system? Somewhere six. around there? Yeah, six. Six, okay. So this Bleach Report article I'm looking at, they have Pete Crow Armstrong at five, and then they also have the new Cubs acquired prospects at nine, 10, 12, 17, and 19 in the system. So mm. prospects-wise, I think it's hard for them to do much better. I think Crow Armstrong is a little more on the risky side, but overall I can definitely see the potential. Uh, Madrigal to me was the big story. I am yeah. very surprised that the White Sox ended up parting ways with him. And I think just being able to get him is to me like that made the deadline. It would be very, very hard to mess up the deadline at any point in time after that magical move. Cause that's the one to me, that's what we're, I think we're going to look back for. Like you traded magical for a year and a half potentially of Craig Campbell. Like that is a good, good deal from the Cubs perspective Definitely. and Hoyer mainly magical though. Yeah. Uh, Seattle, anything to add on the Cubbies? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I definitely agree with what, what all you guys just said. I think the position players that they got are excellent, especially getting um, the big prospect from the Mets. That was a great trade. And Nick Madrigal was incredible. That was very shocking to me as well. Um, I will say, though, I, felt, I still feel like the Cubs farm system is very light on um, high upside starting pitching. Mm-hmm. and relief pitching so you know it, this is kind of more of a wait and see kind of thing because I, I feel like that was the big problem that kind of shifted them into this rebuild anyway is that they they kept having to spend and spend and spend on pitching and then the rest of the roster just kind of never really I mean outside of their deep outside of their their defense regressed everything that made the Cubs so good when they won the World Series had kind of fallen out of place and so um, I think this 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 kind of rebuild will definitely get them back to what they were uh, a few years ago with how deep their lineup was and how good their defense was. But from the p- pitching aspect, I still have some questions. But that's about it. I mean, I, I, from a value standpoint, I don't think they could be really they can really complain about what they got back. And also reading about what Jed Hoyer was saying about the players not really wanting to resign. They kind of had to go this way. Yeah, and I'll be interested, too, to see what those guys end up getting on the open market as well in comparison to the contracts that Hoyer uh, was willing to offer them. Um, Not sure if – I got to think one of them comes back, but at this point, you know, who knows? I wasn't thinking all three would get moved. I was thinking at least one would end up staying. But, uh, yeah, no, it ended up a crazy deadline, and it could have been even – crazier the rays were discussing a few deals with the cubs uh i'll just read two off of them uh there was one in which the cubs would give up brand and kimbrell for a prospect package surrounding tyler glass now with the rays the other was uh just the rays getting chris bryant for kevin kiermeyer and prospects so uh interestingly enough the cubs did not like either one of those because of uh one, Kiermaier is making a lot of money, not for the type of player he is. And two, Glass now you get one year with him. And we didn't want to give up the prospects necessary. So glad that glad that the Cubbies ended up going the way that they did. On to the other biggest trade of the deadline, in my opinion, would be the Barrio deal with Toronto. Uh, Toronto got Brad Hand and Saria for not a 
bunch. Uh, we won't necessarily, I, I mean, we'll mention them here. Bullpen gets a little stronger. Can't hurt them, that's for sure. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, get into this uh, Barrios deal here. So they got uh, Austin Martin, Simeon Woods Richardson, and a few other prospects as well. Uh, we're giving up to Minnesota, of course, for one and a half years, I believe, of Jose Barrios. Uh, is it one and a half or two? So uh, it's through 2023. He's a 2023 okay. free agent. Okay, so that's not – yeah, so one and a half years. Yeah. So, uh, Schultz, I guess we'll, we'll start with you. Uh, how, how, do you, how are you feeling about that one? Uh, I think that's a tough trade for Toronto. They're giving up a whole lot for just Barrios. Um, I don't know, just looking at the AL East, there's teams in that division that are competing for those playoff spots and then the wild card. And Toronto's, like, they're in contention for all of that, but they're definitely not, like, in the driver's seat at any of those. So I think this trade is definitely for more of a next season push than a this season push. And I also think this, kind of like what I said with um, Scherzer, this is a little more contingent on if they can get Berrios back. Because giving up all of those prospects, the higher-rated the higher rated prospects in their system for, Bar- for one and a half years of Berrios, where if I had to guess, I'd say Toronto doesn't make the playoffs this season. So maybe one season of the playoffs with Barrios. That's I think that's a tough return um, for Toronto. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Like I said, I think it's mostly contingent on whether or not Barrios maybe resigns for another year or two. Uh, but I think this is more for a next year push than a this year push, just right off the bat, just because he has that extra year of team control. Uh, Seattle, going to go over to you here. Uh, Barrios, how you feeling about that one? Yeah, I, I pretty much agree. Like it's it was that's a pretty tough um uh, it's pretty tough to give up all those guys, especially your two of your top five prospects for Barrios for one and a half seasons. Especially when he's not necessarily like an ace or somebody that can really like carry your rotation to the playoffs. He's a good starter and he can start playoff games and they definitely needed that kind of player. But I feel like this is the kind of move I would made, I would have been aggressive on if I was if they're certain to make the postseason. They only have a thirty one point eight percent chance of even making the playoffs, and that would be in a wild card game. And even next year, that that, that division is not going to get any easier for them to win. So I just I just find it tough for my like long term perspective unless they re-sign him like in. Austin. That that this was a good trade. I can I can get on board with that. I'm surprised that their playoff spots are that low. To be honest, um, I would think that they would be a little bit higher. If I'm not mistaken, they have uh, one of the easiest strength the schedules remaining. Is that correct? Oh no, I completely misread that chart. Okay. Um, they're towards they're towards the bottom for easiest remaining schedules. Uh, they're at twenty third right now. Tampa's got a slightly easier remaining schedule, but uh, yeah, it's it's a lot. It's a lot for me as well. Uh, I think they got. I said this earlier. I think it's a little too little, too late for them. Um, they're only four back of the wild card, which is Oakland right now, and then they're seven back of Boston for the first wild card spot. Uh, I think it's too little too late. I mean, they have a plus 104 run differential, which is absolutely crazy for a team that's 
four games out of a wild card spot. Um, the fact that they're in that position is ridiculous. Like, <laughs> it shows how bad the bullpen was. I mean, and yeah, should crazy. they get to the playoffs too? I think if they get to the playoffs this year, it is absolutely worth it because you're able to roll out there with some form of Ryu, Robbie Ray, who's been phenomenal, Barrios, and then Alec Manoa, who's also been an absolute stud in in a playoff rotation. Like that to me, that scares the shit out of me if I'm looking to play them. Um, yeah, and nobody wants to face that offense either. Nah. I mean, realistically, like, the only hole to me, like, I'm wondering with Kevon Biggio, like, how much uh, – I'm not big on him. I haven't been for – He's bad. Uh, yeah, I, I've, I don't like Kevon at all. I Honestly, I think Espinal is better. Uh, I don't know He's how – He's become more of a platoon bat in that offense yeah. now, I think. Exactly. And, I mean, that isn't that isn't the worst thing. Um, but, yeah, to me, that was just a little too little too late. And, Seattle, like you said, too, that division will not – be getting any easier you know the Yankees even though their system I mean their system's decently strong I don't know how many guys they have coming soon um but that team's gonna look pretty much the same Boston I believe also is gonna look essentially the same they'll have sale they have Duran up right now and they might have one more prospect on the way too but Boston's gonna look the same Tampa they're gonna rebuild the whole team and then also still compete next year that's just what we do (laughs) and Baltimore is eventually going to turn a corner so it's 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 tough for them um let's cover uh Boston I believe I'll just talk about this one really quick here uh pretty sure they just got Schwarber right yeah they only got Schwarber yeah and I think uh that is a big issue for them too I think Schwarber will potentially help them, but they, to me, like when I look at that Boston team, they needed a little bit more uh, specific, specifically on the pitching side. Uh, that rotation, you know, I get that they're going to have Chris Sale coming back, but I would certainly be a little bit concerned. You know, Tampa just beat them. They swapped them in a three-game series. Not the worst thing because Tampa and Boston still have, I think, eight or nine games remaining against each other to close out the year here. But it's that rotation scares the shit out of me. Uh, the bullpen too is it's it was good. I don't know kind of oh they got Robles too. Uh, yeah. I just feel like they needed they needed another starter of some sort, and because Colorado decided we're gonna hold on to everyone, they oh, got wow. absolutely screwed there. Um, all right. Uh, White Sox next. Uh, we have Kimbrel, Tapera, and Cesar Hernandez. Kylie, I'm going to pass it over to you here. You do a little solo run on this one. Uh, how do we feel about the uh, Crosstown guys and what they were able to pull off? Tapera, you know, he had a pretty solid year with the Cubs up until Spider Tack got banned. Um, I mean, he really hasn't been great prior to this year. So, you know, we got a prospect back for him. And I think that kind of helped with the Kimbrel trade. I think it added a little premium, like a thank you for Tapera for not getting too much. But, I mean, it makes the bullpen definitely a lot stronger. But I don't know about the price they paid for Kimbrel, considering they already have a lockdown closer. It's definitely nice having two lockdown guys, but – I would maybe prefer to have a lefty and righty option rather than two righties. Um, 
Still, I think if their bats hold up, that bullpen's going to be absolutely brutal to play against in the playoffs. Um, they're definitely probably going to make it. And I don't know who they – Probably. They're definitely making it. Yeah. I, I don't know who they're – who they've been having play at second with Madrigal out, but I think Cesar Hernandez is a good pickup to fill in there. And um, even as a bench guy, if they need to fill in in different infield spots, because he can kind of play wherever also, and he's a decent hitter. So overall, I think they overpaid a little bit, but for if they're going for it this year, that bullpen's going to be absolutely brutal. Um, who who are some of their lefty options out of the bullpen? Cause oh, let me let me let me tell you here. Uh, they got Aaron Bummer and uh, Garrett Crochet. Oh, yeah. their options are insane. They have the yeah. best bullpen. In the That's MLB, crazy. Really. Holy, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then for another arm too, like they could realistically go seven, eight, nine with Michael Kopik in the seventh, Kimbrel or Hendricks in the eighth, and then the other one in the ninth. Like yeah, what, if the, if you're and they have the best starting pitching in the MLB, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Thank God that their offense is just all injured. Yeah, like <laughs> that's that's the one saving grace. Uh, they're going to be getting Luis Robert back here soon. Um, Grandal, I think Aloy's injured again, right? Yeah, Aloy's. I think I think he's back in the lineup tonight. Uh, Grandal is probably due back sometime in September. Uh, so it's, they're crazy to me. Uh, that bullpen is just, it scares the shit out of me. Uh, if playoffs were to start today, they would play either Houston or Tampa in a five game series. I don't know what the tiebreakers look like there. Um, but they would play one of Houston or Tampa in a five game series, which would either way, I think the Tampa series would be better baseball. Um, I feel like that's a better matchup, but uh, yeah, that's nuts. How boring would a White Sox Brewers World Series be? <laughs> Personally, Locked I would not down be that pitching. bored. <laughs> I'd be pretty excited. Well, yeah, you're a little biased. Understandably so. I can't possibly <laughs> think of uh, why that is. Uh, so I'm going to talk about Tampa here, surprisingly. Uh that's kind of my thoughts on our deadline before uh, making a really cool segue into Seattle discussing the Mariners deadline. Uh, but yeah, so Tampa got Nelson Cruz <laughs> for two pitching prospects. Uh, we kind of already discussed that. I think Minnesota got really, really good return there again. Uh, I like, uh, I like Joe Ryan a little bit better guys, phenomenal hair. And he was the game one starter for the U S Olympic team. So that's kind of hard to beat, uh, but they should both be, major league quality starters uh the other acquisitions that we made were a little bit more interesting uh, dj johnson and jordan luplo were acquired for a reliever slash starter within the minor league system for us neither of these guys have really been major league contributors this year but they're very important depth for us to add dj actually just pitched for us last night he has the best beard i've ever seen on a major league baseball player uh the Rays needed starting pitching, but starting pitching for the price that they were willing to pay was not available. I think they needed just someone who could be a back end of the rotation type guy. And the only guy that they would have given up the haul for would have been Scherzer. I believe we did try to do that, but Scherzer did not want to come to Tampa. Can't blame him. We had 5,000 people at the game last night. 
but with <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Second lowest all time. Oh my god. Yeah. So uh, Johnson and Luplo, though, I think those could end up being playoff contributors for us. Uh, Luplo specifically torches left-handed pitching, can play outfield spots too. So that's very valuable for us, especially if we should get an injury. I believe we had like 54 different players this year. We have 16 pitchers on the IL right now, so we need all hands on deck. The acquisition I was really excited about, though, is the uh, – I'm probably going to butcher his name, so I apologize, Seattle. Uh, Charcois for – or Charcois Shenton for Diego Castillo. It was a short-term uh, – equivalent trade in my opinion where we gave up a high leverage guy in Diego that's controllable long term for a comparable pitcher that is on a expiring contract plus a good hitting third base slash first base prospect so I feel like that really matched the value for us he already has slotted into some high leverage spots we have Matt Whistler too this year who was horrible and I want to say Minnesota who is currently our acting closer. He threw 22 pitches the other night. All 22 were sliders, and he got the save. So we've been uh, – it's just another typical raise deadline. We were floated around in more names, and we made the biggest acquisition in our franchise's history in, uh, in Cruz. So it's, it's interesting. So uh, over to the other side of that trade, uh, Seattle, to discuss the Mariners deadline here. Yeah, uh, somehow I feel like we had the most controversial deadline <laughs> because um, uh, we our team chemistry fucking exploded. <laughs> I'm sorry for swearing, but uh, no I, I, it was uh, it was just it was just a really weird deadline. Just reading all the responses to everything, but our first move was obviously sending Kendall Graveman and Rafael Montero to the Astros for Abraham Toro and uh, Joe Smith. And like it, when this happened, I, I, I listened to your guys' podcast like last week, which, like right when it happened too. And so then it, it was definitely a head scratcher for sure, because Graveman has been so good this year for the Mariners. And it, 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 since Diaz, we've kind of struggled to really fill that ninth inning role. Um, and, uh, yeah, like it was one of those things where it kind of came out of nowhere, but I'm very happy with getting Toro because for one, he obviously has lots of control years and it was kind of a, it was kind of a situation where Houston didn't really have a lot of, um, didn't really have a lot of, uh, opportunities to give him at bats because of Alex Bregman. And he was really only filling up that role because he was hurt and Bregman's about to come back. So now we're playing him every, every day at second base and he's been doing a great job. He, like he's been hitting very well. So I don't, so from like a value, I don't think it was a bad trade, but they probably should have worked out the timing and communication for that a little bit better <laughs> with the clubhouse. Yeah. Potentially. yeah. <laughs> but I also think a lot of that was also spilling over from the off season when um, our uh, <laughs> our CEO was talking about uh, future plans for players in like a super, I don't know, crass manner, it, it, it was it was just bad with how our front office has kind of treated these players in a way vocally. Uh, but then the other deals we made, we got Tyler Anderson from the Pirates for two prospects. Um, 
And those two prospects weren't really like highly rated in our system. So we didn't really give up that much at all. Uh, and then the other deal that we made, obviously getting, uh, getting, getting Diego Castillo was huge because we needed another long-term option for our bullpen. And I think that was a great acquisition just because they needed to get somebody um, who could, who had control years in the bullpen. Cause someone like Graveman, who's he, who was on an expiring contract and it wasn't necessarily a guarantee that he would resign with the Mariners. Um, he's probably going to get paid this off season. I imagine if, if he continues to have a, a great year. Um, but yeah, no, overall, I, I don't really have a problem with the moves the Mariners made. I think they didn't really sacrifice anything long-term uh, this season has been so weird for them because they never expected to be in this position. Yet here they are just kind of in the race. And I think a lot of fans kind of wanted the, the front office to really go in and try to make the playoffs just because it's been so long for the Mariners since the last time we made the postseason. We have the longest drought in American sports history right now. So that's, Jeez. that's crazy. So it's just sort of like, I, I don't blame the fans for being like upset, but at the same time, you know, there's been, there've been so many players that we've just given away for term gains in the past that I, like, you know, I, I don't want to have to go through another rebuild again, like this, where we're just constantly stuck in the middle. Um, and I don't know. I, I like where, I like where we're headed long-term. So I, I feel like we just got to keep going that way and see what happens. I can agree with that too. Uh, I think it certainly helped too a lot of the fan base for Toro to go off in those uh, in those first few games too. Uh, pretty sure it was his first game he had a home run, right? Yeah, the the game the game he the first game he played, which was the day that Graveman got traded, he was a, he pinch he did a he hit a pinch hit home run in the bottom of the ninth inning, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is crazy. Yeah, not a. Not too shabby there. So uh, I found it pretty funny, too, the whole Tyler Anderson deal. We're going to get into Philly here. Uh, Philly was supposed to get him, and then something went wrong, and Philly ended up not getting him, much like San Diego did, who they're on deck right now, um, with Scherzer and Turner, but or Scherzer specifically. But, yeah, so Philly ended up having to get uh, Gibson and Kennedy for a pretty much four pitching prospects. Um which Gibson was like probably the third highest uh, pitching guy on the market, right? Yeah. Yeah, Gibson would have been the third highest guy on the market. I don't think it was the most valuable traded necessarily. Um, but yeah, so Philly gets a starter and a closer. My one concern with this deal, it ended up fine in the first one, but that Philly defense sucks. And you have a ground ball pitcher having the greatest season of his career at 32 years old, um, certainly a little concerning that it might not might not be the most uh, sustainable. Also struggles with the Tigers, as we talked about uh, last time. Uh, but yeah, overall Philly, I think they did uh, they did all right here. Uh, I learned this today. Bryce Harper is apparently batting uh, 300. What? At, yeah. Bryce Harper is batting 302 and has 38 RBIs this season. He's had a great year. I had no idea he was batting that well. Just no one can get on base for them. 
Oh, they got Freddie Pop Galvez. Pop off, Bryce. Yeah. Pop I, off, Bryce. Let's go. Like, out of nowhere. Um, Change the narrative. Change the narrative. Exactly. He's been uh, – it's <laughs> kind of crazy to see him. He went from being this guy who was, like, overpaid and everything, and now just no one talks about him whatsoever. So they're two and a half back. NL East is wide open. So uh, enough about them. Uh, San Diego here. I think we, we talked about Frazier last time, right? Yeah, I was about to say. We talked about Frazier last time. Yeah, so they uh, – I think San Diego really missed out here. Um, yeah, they took an L. They took a big L. Huge L. They were in on a lot of guys and uh, ended up with Marisnik, who's not like – he's not what they were looking for, uh, not what they were hoping for. And then uh, Daniel Hudson, too, to help out that bullpen. That rotation to me still concerns me. Uh, Blake Snell sucks this year. And, you know, past, like, I like Darvish, Musgrove, fine. After that, it's like, what do I do? Um, yeah. So I think they, they could have looked for maybe a little more something there. Batting-wise, they should be fine. But Tatis now might be out for might be out for the year. Yeah, um, that would suck for my fantasy team. Not going to lie. Yeah. So uh, let's shift here then. Uh, fantasy to real. Uh, Milwaukee, Schultz, solo run here again. Uh, thoughts on the Milwaukee deadline before uh, one more trade, and then we uh, get on to all the uh, – all the Chicago guys. Yeah, so the Brewers, we made some good moves. I, I love the Eduardo Escobar move. It's already been paid. It's already paid off. He's hit a home run, or he's hit two home runs. He's been contributing right off the bat. We needed. He provides pretty much everything we need. We, we're going to force him to play first base for the first time in his professional career. Uh, so he's going to be platooning there, and then he'll. I think I read he's also going to be platooning with Urias at third base. So he's going to be filling pretty much every hole that we need to um, offensively. And we gave up – I wrote it down pretty much nothing for him. I don't even remember what it was, but I remember looking at it and being pretty surprised that that's all we gave up for Eduardo Escobar. So in terms of that, we addressed a need with the uh, corner infielders, um, just the lack of depth there. Um, and then the next two that we got were uh, Curtis and Norris. And those guys – we got Norris is a left-handed reliever, which we – Obviously, you can never have enough left-handed relievers. He's been having a pretty bad year statistically, but his peripherals said that he's actually been having a little better season than it looked. And then his last seven innings he's pitched, he had like a one ERA or some something like that. Actually, I don't even think he had – I think he hadn't given up on seven innings. So, in terms of Norris, that's been good. Curtis, on paper, looked really good, but he's had an absolutely terrible, terrible start. So, I'm hoping he – Figures it out. Also, I forgot to write down, we did trade for John Axford. We gave up $1 for him, apparently. Yeah. Hey, John? He, well, he pitched last night, and then uh, he might have to get TJ now. Yeah. <laughs> so, rip to, rip to Axe. It was cool to just see him come back. I was hoping he, he – apparently he hit 98, like, this year. <laughs> He's 38, which is absurd. Uh, that's probably why his elbow just exploded. But um, – I'm excited uh, for Escobar. I think that was the biggest thing. Overall, Milwaukee didn't make any huge moves, and we really don't have a whole lot of prospects to make those huge moves with. So for the prospects that we did give up, I'm pretty excited with the return, um, especially if Curtis and Norris turn out to be at least even usable, especially now that our entire bullpen is COVID. But uh, we have a big enough lead where we can kind of see if Curtis can figure it out in Miller Park. I called it Miller Park. It's Miller Park. Uh, but yeah, we can move on. Yeah, Let's Curtis is a uh, Curtis is a 
he ended up in the stable last year for us, but he was he's very hit or miss, very fastball reliant too. And if that's, I think he's he's signed pretty long term. I think they have him for a few years. If that's getting lit up, he's screwed. Um, I just want to make it before we move on to we're going to talk Oakland here in a sec. Uh, before we move on, I uh, forgot about Atlanta acquiring like mm, twenty different Oakland. people, and not only acquiring like twenty different people for seemingly nothing. But I have never seen a franchise before where none of their trades leak out to the media. Like the Duval deal, Peterson deal, Jorge Soler deals, those all came directly from the press section of the Atlanta Braves website. Like they posted a press release saying, we've acquired this guy and no one had any idea. Uh, So just want to give them a quick shout here uh, for rebuilding that outfield somewhat. short term at least just to hold it over so yeah oakland here uh we talked about chafin a little bit uh earlier so we won't focus on him but the big one was getting starling Marte for zero dollars but they ended up giving up noted pitching prospect uh jesus lazardo goes the other way to miami uh seattle we're gonna start with you here how do we feel about this deal from both perspectives yeah, definitely kind of a crazy move for a team like Oakland to make. You know, historically, they've usually always kept very uh, – they've always kept their uh, prospects close to the chest. And uh, trading Lazardo for Marte was shocking just because, I mean, Lazardo is just kind of – he's kind of out of it. He's having a down year and – I feel like I felt like he still has a lot of potential and MLB teams still hold him in very high regard. Um, and then it's not that I don't believe that Marte is a bad player. I think he can add, certainly add something to that team. I just don't know if it was necessarily worth the immediate cost. Um, I feel like this team has really struggled really finding consistent pitching um, and I think the Chauvin addition will really help with that, but um, I, I really don't know. I feel like I feel like overall they're really relying on the strength of uh, um, their their lineup overall. And I think in the recent weeks it, their lineup has very much regressed. Like batters like Jed Lowry and Mark Hanna, who um, have been consistent for them really all year, are starting to kind of fall off a little bit. So I can understand why they wanted to get Marte to boost the offense. But I just, I just think that this team is kind of struggling to kind of uh, be on all cylinders right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can, I can agree with that too. Uh, I mean, the outfield looks, it looks cool. To, like it looks good to me on paper, but uh, I think with Oakland too, they were probably sweating as well, just due to the fact that you have, a few teams kind of breathing down your neck here and the Yankees, the Mariners and the Blue Jays, I guess Cleveland, technically maybe uh, Cleveland six out, but uh, it's not a surefire thing that you're going to be in odds are you will be. I'm sure their odds are really good right now, but uh, yeah. yeah can I think, I add one more thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So they have about like a 50% chance of making the postseason, And I would just like, based on like the AL West right now, it's just a very competitive division all throughout. Because not only do you have the Mariners and the Astros trying, I mean, trying to make the playoffs, look like the Astros are going going to win the division by a landslide. 
because of just how great their offense has been. And not only that, you have to deal with the Angels and the Rangers who are, I mean, even though the Rangers, and like, even though they're both kind of struggling this year, like they have competent players. And even the Rangers just uh, the other day, like even though they're overall a pretty poor team, like they still have like a good coaching staff in front office and they prepare well for teams. Sorry, I just wanted to add that yeah. in there. No, I agree. And I think uh, we also need to mention too, Miami's rotation for the future. It's going to be nasty. Oh my Lord. Like the Miami Marlins are, they're on the way. Uh, yep. And it's weird saying that, but they're building, they're definitely building something down there. Uh, so we already discussed them a little bit earlier. Uh, we're going to talk the two of the Cubs guys here and then uh, end it with the ever loved New York Yankees. Uh, <laughs> Javi Baez to the Mets. Uh, I believe he already, he got somewhat hurt already in the first game. So he's already again. Uh, how are we feeling? Uh, uh, I'll pass it over to Kylie for this. Uh, how, how do we feel about the uh, Baez acquisition here for the Mets? I think – Does he stay? I think they made this deal because of Lindor, and they've both showed the affection for each other and how they've always wanted to play with each other. I think the Mets definitely think they have a ch- good chance to re-sign him. I think it'll kind of depend on how Lindor comes back from injury and – kind of what they decide to do with the rest of that infield because, I mean, you've got Jeff McNeil, who's a, a really solid second baseman. I'm sure he could play third, but you've also got J.D. Davis there. I think it'll be interesting to see what they do with those guys because, I mean, when Lindor comes back, he'll be back at short, I would imagine, unless they move him to second. But Javi said he'd be willing to play at second to be able to play up the middle with him. So I think if they decide, if they kind of end up having fun playing with each other, the Mets have shown that they're not afraid to open up the bank. And I think that's just another good bat sometimes that they add to the lineup. Uh, it's got potential, but I, I mean, he, he's not going to cut down on the strikeouts. It just hasn't happened. So um you got to they got to decide if they're going to be willing to uh accept all those strikeouts because uh i mean Lindor has been really struggling and i think another thing is that potentially they think Lindor might you know get back to his old self having bias around maybe um it might be a little stretch but having that familiarity with them playing on the international team together um, and just having that friendship and comfortability, I think potentially both of their bats could improve. And if they do end up making a little push here at the end, I definitely think they have a good chance to re-sign him. So I think giving up Crow Armstrong, who's still a few years away, is – um, definitely worth it for this acquisition. I'm so sad Lindor got hurt too because it seemed as if he was getting it back. So in June he batted 240, uh, July he uh, 333. He only played half the month, but uh, it definitely seemed like he was on the way back. So, uh, bumping it I over like here. The, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go I ahead. Feel like, yeah, I just feel like with the Mets, like they. 
um, on paper, you know, if they're healthy, I, I think they could re- easily be one of the most scariest teams in the, in the NL. Um, but, uh, um, it's just their health has derided their chances so much. It's, I mean, I, I, I feel like, I, I, I mean, even they, they have a, a decent hold of the division, but it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's really not enough if they're, if they keep going the way that they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like, I feel like, yeah, if, if bias is, if he starts to struggle with injuries too, it, that's just gonna, I feel like it kind of spells doom for them. Agreed. Definitely agreed with that. Uh, all right. Giants now, uh, Bryant to the Giants, uh, game one, like everyone that got traded, he had to home run. Uh, is there... Is there honestly like a better fit than Bryant to the Giants? Because I didn't, I honestly like I. It feels like he's just made for them. He has that versatility that they might be looking for. Uh, I think overall too, he's able to hold down third as well until Longoria comes back. Uh, and then at that point too, you just play him wherever you tell him. You know, go play center field, go play left, right, any position besides catcher, and he's going to succeed there. Um, so overall, absolutely love that deal, especially for the cost too. Yeah, and the 100%. Giants finally get the star power that, like, they're really solid and obviously have like the best record in MLB. But they still, I feel, before this, lack that star power, and they finally got it. Agreed. Finally, uh, this is the last set of trades that we'll be covering. Uh, we have the New York Yankees. They got Heaney, Gallo, and Rizzo. Didn't give up too much for Gallo. They gave up a few prospects, not any of their big-name guys, but they should end up still turning out to be okay. So they gave up, I want to say, what was it, two guys? Yeah. Uh, not much again. And then Heaney, I don't even know. Uh, they should get a refund on Heaney. Yeah. yeah. So he uh, <laughs> he's always very hit or miss. So I guess – the question that I have, we don't necessarily need to break down the trade value individually here, but do we feel as if the Yankees have done enough to win that wild card spot? No. At the deadline? No? They, they didn't address pitching, and I think that's what they needed. Like, they tried with Heaney, but I don't think Gallo and Rizzo are the answers to a lot of the questions. Obviously, they need to address the hitting too, but I think the pitching is a lot more of a question mark for the Yankees this year. Uh, especially now that Cole has COVID. Uh, so we don't know how long he'll be out for. I'm just worried that the Yankees, it's kind of the same thing with the with the Blue Jays. It's too little, too late. They haven't addressed their biggest needs, which is just getting people on base. And um, what is the other thing? Pitching, like I just said. But, I mean, Gallo, I think Gallo is probably the biggest part of this whole um, trade deadline for them because they get to retain him for another, I think it's through next year. Yep. Is it? Okay. Yep. So, I think that's probably the biggest thing um, that the Yankees will see from this deadline, even if they don't end up making the playoffs. They'll at least have Gallo for another year, who will be a consistent bat in the lineup for home runs and walking and nothing else. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, playing all-star level outfield. So I think that's good, but I don't think – I think they needed to make an acquisition for a starting pitcher that's not giving up four runs in four innings in this first start. Against the Orioles. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, against the worst team, one of the worst teams in the MLB. Did you guys, did you guys just see who's starting for the Yankees tonight? 
Oh, God, who? <laughs> it sounds funny. <laughs> Luis Gill. <Yeah>. Oh, jeez. <laughs> They're running out of ideas, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were originally supposed to have Nestor Cortez start. And then they just, they just changed their mind in the middle of the day. <laughs> wow. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> According to ESPN right now, if you want to get a ticket, they're as low as $4 in the Bronx. Oh, man. $4. I, I think they're going to have more than uh, 5,000 people at the game, though. For, yeah, I think they might. For whatever reason. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of like, I do definitely think that they still have pitching holes, but. I think they've done enough that they can make it. Not from them brute forcing their way in, but from them holding pace while Oakland and or Boston implodes. Uh, I think at the I, Blue Jays definitely did a lot more. Uh, but I, to me, I think they may have done just enough to stay afloat here. Because I know when all, when all the alarm bells were sounding for them, uh, they were sitting at like 500. And right now they're only they're three back of Oakland and six back of Boston. So I'm of the belief I think they can get it done. Uh, getting a little more would have certainly helped. I hope that they don't get it done because that would be I hate the Yankees. But uh, correct. Yeah, I don't know. That's where I'm at. I think if Tallahome continues to he's pitched well lately. Oh, I think if he continues to be a consistent like two slash three pitcher in that rotation. I think that's the biggest thing they need. And Montgomery looked good last night, too. So they have arms that look good. And <laughs> also, I just want to bring this up. When Domingo German had a no-hitter going into the eighth inning, and they lost. They were up like 3 nothing, and they lost. Four, that was pretty cool. 4-3 after having a no-hitter going into the eighth. <laughs> that guy's also yeah. a piece of shit. So if anybody yeah. deserves that, it's him. That's true. Uh, Seattle, I guess we'll, uh, we'll close it out with you then. Thoughts on the Yankees' deadline? Um, I think Montgomery just got COVID, by the way. I could be yeah. wrong about that. but he I did. Just, uh, yeah. Okay. I streamed him um, yesterday, so. Um, I, I think overall that they uh, – I think I think the Yankees, uh, they definitely increased the upside of that lineup. Um, I still don't know why Brett Gardner is playing in center field for them. <laughs> I feel like that was that would have been a pretty pretty easy thing to improve, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I, I I think they just they, they need to get healthy in the starting rotation. I think they they've they have like a, a, a couple starters like Schultz was saying that that can be good for them. It's just they have to be healthy, and if they if they're not healthy, it's like I I, I really have no idea who who's going to be pitching for this team on a consistent basis. So, but if they can keep scoring runs, um, I mean, I feel like I feel like that will be enough for them to 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 make the postseason. But it's just that it's just like with all, with all these wild card teams, I feel like, with probably the exception of the Rays, mostly it's I think most I think all of them have are have kind of uh, pretty glaring flaws. Mm-hmm. And I think with the – just real quick, too, I'll throw Boston and the Rays in the same category here. I think Boston and Tampa each have that fatal flaw of, I'll say, starting pitching here. Uh, the back end of that Rays – I mean, the whole Rays rotation, I want to say, outside of Shane McClanahan is very sketchy. We'll see how Patino does tonight. Uh, Boston, too, like that, that rotation to me does not – like pop out at me. I like 
Evaldi a lot. I like Pavetta a lot. Eduardo Rodriguez is listed as their number one right now. He is a 5-6 ERA. Garrett Richards has a 5-1-5 ERA. And then Martin Perez has a 4-5-6 ERA. Um, if there's one offense that doesn't need, like, yeah. lights out pitching, it's that offense. So, I mean, they have, they have that going for them. But, like, there isn't – I, I want to say that the closest thing at this point to a – invulnerable team in that wild card hunt and in that playoff race would be the blue Jays. But even then they have that kind of shady bullpen. Uh, and they're, they're six games out or something like that. So they're, uh, they're four games out right now. So there's no guarantee that they even make it um, that. So that that's going to conclude our trade deadline recap. A lot of deals went down. Absolutely love the fact that it's only one deadline now too. Made it a ton of fun. Just absolutely crazy following everything around. Uh, We'll see you back here next time for our NBA draft slash free agency recap. But for now, uh, thanks for watching. Seattle, thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for inviting me, guys. We are out.